And I stood in the office of spiritual father, speaking to sons and daughters whom he loves so very, very much. Y'all believe I love you. But I want to talk to you about a challenge that is devastating our people, that is devastating our families, and that is devastating lives individually. So pastor wants to talk to the family, and he wants to talk to the community on today. And my subject is, why adultery and fornication are wrong? Why adultery and fornication are wrong? I read this text when I last preached on Sunday morning, I believe. Let's go back to that same text again, John 7 and 53. John 7, 53. I'm speaking from a heart of love, deep concern for my people and the people of the church and the people of my community. John 7, 53, and everyone went to his own house. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning, he came again into the temple, and all the people came to see him, and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? And this they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger, as though he did not hear. And when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up, and saw no one but the woman. He said to her, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. God has every right to give us commandments. The omnipotent creator of the world has every right to tell us how to live. He made us. He sustains us. He provides for us. 
we belong to him. And even more than that, he loves us. He wants us to have abundant life. His commandments were not made to deprive us or to torture us or to make us miserable. His commandments are given to enrich our lives and to give life a context in which happiness and fulfillment are possible. Not only does God love us, but God is infinitely wise. And he focuses his wisdom on guiding us toward the most fulfilling pathway for our lives. God ordained sex. Sex is the creation. First time I got an amen from somebody. <laughs> sex is the creation of God. Sex is not evil. It is an overwhelmingly positive force. You're scared to say amen now. <laughs> sex has contributed to the good of every aspect of human life and human existence. God ordained sex for the propagation of the human race and as an expression of love between a husband and a wife. Marriage is a spiritual union ordained by God. Sex is the highest expression of that human union and it is reserved for that union. And sex is restricted to that union. Anything other than that defies the sanctity of marriage and the sacredness of the home. By saying to the woman, go and sin no more, Jesus leaves no doubt regarding the nature of the act she had been involved in. She had committed a sin. Adultery is a sin. It was a sin not only for the woman, but it was also a sin for the man who had been with the woman when they caught them in the act of adultery. They should have brought the man to more than even the woman. It is a sin that some, if not all, of the men who were around had also committed. This is why they dropped their rocks and went away. Look at your neighbor and say, drop that rock. Exodus chapter 20, verse 14. You shall not commit 
Adultery. Adultery is an act of sex by a married person with someone other than their spouse. That's what adultery is. Fornication is the commission of an act of sex by a single or unmarried person. And Ephesians 5 and 3 says, But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be named among you as it is fitting for saints. And verse 6 says, Let no man deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Well, let me start out by saying that we're discussing one of the most explosive and volatile and potent areas of inquiry known to man. The sex drive is a forceful and a powerful drive. God has placed within us appetites, impulses, drives that provide for our survival. I think immediately of the hunger drive, the thirst drive, the need to breathe. Hunger and thirst drive men and animals to seek and to consume the food and the water that is necessary for their survival. I've met people whose health and whose lives were jeopardized because of the loss of appetite. Their hunger drive, their thirst drive did not function properly. The sexual drive was not given to assure our personal or individual survival, but rather it was given to assure the survival of the group, the survival of the species. It assures conception and reproduction of descendants. It's not for individual health or survival. Nobody dies. Nobody gets sick from sexual deprivation. Nobody dies. Nobody gets sick because they are not involved in sexual involvement. You can live all your life and a great part of your life without sex. And you can be fulfilled and happy and healthy. You might not want to live your life without, but you can. Tell two people you can. We're designed physically for sexual involvement and reproduction. And some people act as if that's the only thing we're designed for. But it's not the only thing we're designed for, but we're designed for it. There's infinitely more to life than just your sexual nature. I thought y'all would wake up after a while. But though one can live very effectively without sex, and though life is much more than sex, 
The sex drive is a very forceful and influential power in most, if not all, of our lives. And the sexual impulse plays a prominent role in the entire animal world. Animals fight one another over sexual access. They forego food and drink to pursue sexual involvement. Some animals give their very life in the act of procreation. The sexual drive is a forceful drive. The drone of the male bee usually dies either immediately after or sometimes even during the act of sexual involvement. He dies for sex. <laughs> the male spider, the male praying mantis are usually killed and consumed by the female either during or just after the act of sex. On the human level, wars have been fought, lives have been lost, fortunes have been surrendered, careers have been wrecked, marriages and families have been disrupted by one kind of sexual pursuit or another. Can I get any witnesses in the house? The sex act is significant in its impact because it's related to the creation of new life. Babies who grow into adults are conceived and born as a result of the sex act. Einstein's and Hitler's, Apostle Paul's, every one of us in this room here today were conceived and born as a result of sexual involvement. I'm just saying that sexual impulses are very, very powerful. And therefore, every society has had to develop rules and controls regarding the expression of human sexuality. I said every society has had to develop rules, policies, procedures regarding the expression of human sexuality. Laws, limits, constraints have been devised by all civil societies, number one, to protect the individual, to protect minors, to protect the mentally retarded against rape, and requiring mutual consent by the adults who are involved. Laws have been passed, secondly, to protect public sensibilities, protecting the public from offensive behavior like public sexual activity, exhibitionism, sexual solicitation. Of course, we put on anything and pull off anything. Don't care what anybody says about it. Thirdly, laws are usually passed 
to set moral standards, to prohibit incest, prostitution, nudity, sexual contact with animals, and so on. Are y'all still awake? Don't go to sleep on me now. Society has gotten involved because everyone agrees that human sexuality must be, to one degree or another, controlled and restrained. We've got to put some controls on it because you've got heterosexuality, homosexuality, bisexuality, trisexuality. Those are the ones that will try anything. There are some folk who like to have sex with dead bodies, who like to kill people during or after the sex act. Two weeks ago, 22-year-old Elliot Roger, student at UC Santa Barbara, on Friday, May 23rd, 2014, killed six people and wounded 13 people because the girls refused to give him the sex that he felt he was entitled to. Tell your neighbor, you're not entitled to sex. Mm -hmm. So we need some moral standards. We need some laws. We need some codes. Everybody has some point or limit which they don't feel people should go beyond and in which they feel the government or somebody ought to intervene when that's going on. No matter what they do, there's something they don't want anybody to do to them or to anybody that they love. Everybody, even the most low-down people on the face of the earth, agree that some kind of limit has got to be imposed on sexual behavior. Not only are we physical beings, we are intellectual beings. We have the capacity to think reasonably about what we ought to do and to evaluate actions from a logical perspective. We're intellectual beings. We are moral beings who evaluate our behavior in terms of what's good and what's bad, what's right and what's wrong. And finally, we are spiritual beings who are aware of and related to Almighty God. And we're conscious of the fact that we've got to seek God. We've got to please God. Our lives must conform to the will of God. Why does God prohibit adultery and fornication? Why are extramarital and premarital sex wrong? Number one, because God's plan and God's will for his people are sexual relations between a man and a woman who are married to one another. Mm -hmm. Genesis chapter 2, verse 21. Are y'all still awake? Genesis 2, 21. And God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam. And Adam slept, and God took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord had taken from man, he made into a woman and brought her 
to the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh, and they will both make it, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. God's plan, God's will for his people are sexual relations between a man and a woman who are married one to one another. Secondly, adultery and fornication are wrong. Because children should be legitimately born into a home where their parents are married to one another, loving one another, and guiding, loving, and disciplining their children. Ephesians 6 and 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother which is the first commandment with promise that it might go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring your children up in the training and instruction of the Lord. What could be more exasperating than being forsaken and rejected by your father? What could be more frustrating than to grow up in an unpredictable home situation. The goal, the standard, the objective must be one father, one mother, married to one another for life. Say that after me, please. One father, one mother, married to one another for life. Listen, even if you're not married to the woman who had your son, my brother, if that son is anywhere on the face of the earth, you ought to find some kind of way to show your love to that son. You ought to find some kind of way to take care of that son. Don't you be out here in California dressed up, looking good, driving a car, expensive car, and you've got a son or a daughter somewhere that needs your help. Need you. Don't you leave some lady by herself to take care of your child. Am I talking good today? Extramarital and premarital sex, thirdly, are wrong because they lead to poverty and they lead to economic ruin. In the black community, things have reached critical and alarming levels. A married mother and father team lead only 48% of black households. Single individuals lead 52% of black families. 58% of black female-headed families live in poverty. 58% of them make less than 25 thousand dollars a year and a family can hardly live on $25,000 a year. 30% of black children live in poverty. From 1985 to 2001, 60 to 70% of the children born in the black community were born to single 
mothers. Are you hearing me? 60 to 70% of the children were born without a father in their home. Isn't it any wonder that approximately 800,000 of our young black men are in jail right now? This represents 40% of the total prison population. Probably represent only 12% of the population of our nation. 80, 40% of those in jail, 800,000 or more in jail are young black men. Adultery and fornication lead to poverty because one man can take better care of one family than he can three or four families scattered across town. Intact families can accumulate wealth. Intact families can pass wealth down from generation to generation. Fooling around causes you to waste money. Can I say it again? Am I all right with you all today? I'm... You hardly make enough money for yourself. Now, how are you going to take care of yourself and your family? And now you have one or two women on the side that you're also trying to take care of. Your bills are unpaid. Your family's needs are unmet. You're not prepared to send your children to college but you're acting like a big man with a whole lot of money, and what you don't know is that the ladies are laughing at you. Help me to preach, Lord. Second Corinthians 12, 14, for children ought not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. We got these boys trying to make them be basketball players and football players when they would better be mathematicians and psychologists, and, and we're pushing them to get in this and taking them to Little League and urging them on and on, expecting them to lay up for us. We're hoping they'll become millionaire athletes so they can take care. Listen, you better take care of your children and whatever comes out of their lives, when you make them what God would have them to be, that'll be all right. Proverbs 13 and 22, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. Is that the word of the Lord or not? Premarital and extramarital sex are wrong because they are significantly responsible for the epidemic of abortions which are taking place in our nation and across the world. 56,000, 56 million, 56 million legal abortions have taken place in the United States since Roe v. Wade, 1973. 56 million abortions. Black women are almost four times as likely to have an abortion as are white women. And almost 65% of those who have abortions have never been married. Can I read something to you about the babies in the womb? Jeremiah 1 and 5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. 
Before you were born, I sanctified you and ordained you to be a prophet to the nations. Luke 1.15, speaking about John the Baptist, he shall be great in the sight of God and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. Luke 1.41, and it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leapt, leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Listen, God knows and deals with our children before they are born. A fetus is more than just a clump of tissue and cells. A fetus represents human life. Lord, help us today. Extramarital and premarital sex are wrong because they alone are responsible for the spread of a variety of sexually transmitted diseases. Black people represent 50% of all the new HIV cases that come on the record, quoted by the Center for Disease Control. Black men are almost nine times as likely as white men to have AIDS, and black women are 23 times more likely than white women to have AIDS, and AIDS especially impacts the homosexual population. Those who own the so-called down low are among are those who contribute to the statistics of so many women being afflicted by HIV and AIDS. 36 million people have died of AIDS. 35 million are still affected with AIDS. And according to the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, 65 million Americans are afflicted with an incurable sexually transmitted disease. 65 million people are walking around with a contagious disease that can be transmitted sexually. You can't fool around anywhere. I'm almost through. Extramarital and premarital sex are wrong because they require time and they waste time that should be used for more productive endeavors. Sin is a waste of time. It's a waste of time and counterproductive to live a sinful life. It takes time to set it up Takes time to pull it off. Takes time to cover it up. Takes time to clean it up. Sin is a waste of time. Every minute you spend sinning is a minute you could have spent moving toward your dream, moving toward your purpose, your destiny, doing something good doing something productive. Listen, get involved in something worthwhile. Get down to business spiritually because every minute you spend sinning is a minute you could have spent building up yourself, building up your children. Running around all over town and your children are neglected, forgotten about, unguided, unloved, uncared for, unnurtured. Every minute you spend sinning, requires minutes, hours, days, 
years and sometime a lifetime getting it straight. Some folk will never straighten out the mess they made because of their sin. Righteousness takes you forward. Righteousness takes you upward. But sin will pull you down and take you backward. And just because the world is obsessed with sex does not mean we have to be obsessed with sex. Our society is being carried down to the sewer on the road of recreational sex is being carried down into nothingness. Life is more than sex. Can I preach a little bit more? Sexual indiscretions are wrong because we want the people involved in our lives. We want them to be monogamous. We want them to be sexually faithful. We want them to abstain from illicit sexual involvement. You want your mother to abstain from sexual immorality. Amen? I know you want your husband to be faithful and not be involved in sexual immorality. You want your wife. Some of the most jealous, reactionary, vindictive fellas on the face of the earth are the fellas that got two or three women on the side, but they don't want nobody to talk to their woman. Mm -hmm. We want everybody around us, our sons, our daughters, our children, we want them to be sexually monogamous and abstinent uh, until they are married. We want them to focus on being what God would have them to be and grow in the will of God. If that is what we want from everybody else, that's what we ought to give everybody else who's around us, who is in our family. The Bible says, be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap. They, they enjoyed this in Louisville on Friday night. Amen. Illicit sex is wrong because of the strong emotions that surround sexual involvement. Emotions that are appropriate and manageable only within the context of a married, sexually monogamous relationship. Somebody here knows that sexual involvement can be intense and it can be magnified and it can cause bonding, it can cause attachment, it can cause emotional attachment, it can cause soul ties, it, it can cause bonding and it's not easy for one or for both to walk away from that relationship when the time comes for them uh, to do so. So everybody knows you can go out of control trying to keep something you never should have had in the first place. Out of control, out of control. Theological and biblical evidence suggests that varying degrees of attachment result from acts of sexual intercourse. No matter how casual it might have been, it leaves something on your mind, it leaves something on your heart, it leaves something that permeates your very, very being. And uh, what, what, what may be nothing for one person may be everything for the other person involved. Somebody here knows that you can be wounded and shattered and handicapped by life when somebody casually walks into your life sexually and then walks out of your life without commitment and without respect. The end of relationship in which they should never have been in the first place has devastated so many people. It's wrong because somebody gets hurt. Everybody in here has been hurt one way or another. 
And so sexual immorality is wrong because it causes bonding and soul ties and attachment. Sexual immorality is wrong because it breaks up marriages and it devastates families and it exposes everyone, including the transgressor, to much pain and to so much distress. Hallelujah. Scandal and disgrace, even in the church, a shadow over our witness. The world is looking at us and saying, if we can't live it, if we can't obey God, how can we expect the world to obey God? And so if you love God, and if you love people, you will live in such a way as to respect people. You live in such a way that you bring no pain into their lives. How dare you hurt somebody? How dare you use somebody for whom Jesus Christ has died? Everybody on earth is infinitely invaluable. They are a creation of God. They're not on earth for your use. They're on earth for God's glory. And everything you can do to bring glory into their lives, you ought to bring that glory into their lives with all of your might. Casual sex is wrong because the termination of virginity should be assigned to a responsible person to whom one is married. It ought not be given away to any dude or dudess who happens to be passing by. Hallelujah. The Bible says in Hebrews 13 and 4, marriage is honorable among all men and the bed undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. And 1 Corinthians 6 and 18 says, flee immorality for every sin that a man does is outside the body. But he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Verse 20 says, you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which belong to God. Sexual immorality is wrong because once you cross the line, there's nowhere to stop. It's hard to turn around and get out of that predicament. That is what Jesus said to the poor woman on that day. He said to her, woman, you have sinned. You have done wrong. And your wrong has opened this door of attack against you. So many folk involved in immorality find that their mind and their spirit and their soul are crying out for righteousness and crying out for God. They find out that their predicament causes them to reach out for the help of God. The burden of sin is too heavy. You feel bad about what you've done. You worry about getting caught. You hope you won't reap what you have sown. You feel that the stones of judgment are about to fall on you. But Jesus said to the woman, you're guilty, but the sentence is commuted 
The sentence is way. The judgment is lifted. Go and sin no more. Hallelujah. Jesus took the hit for the woman. But I want you to know today, Jesus has taken the rap for you. He's taken the penalty. He's taken the sin for you. Jesus has borne our grief and carried our sorrows. We esteemed him stricken and smitten of God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities and the chastisement of our peace is upon him and with his stripes we're healed. All we like sheep have gone astray but the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Whatever you've done, whoever you've hurt, however you've behaved, it's all on Jesus. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, whatever you've done, it's on Jesus. Come on, help me praise him. Oh, bless the name of God. Jesus bore our sin on Calvary's cross. He bore our guilt when he died on the cross. Through Jesus Christ, God extends forgiveness to everybody and he extends help in the midst of future temptations. You might say, Brother Preacher, I can't make it on my own. Yes, I assure you, you can't make it. You can't overcome. You can't endure. But God is faithful. He said in 1 Corinthians 10 and 13, no temptation taken you except such as is coming to man. But God is faithful and he will not allow you to be tempted above that you're able. But he will, with the temptation, make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Child of God, you can bear it. You can take it. God will bring you out. God will bring you over. God will take you through. You might say, I can't do that celibate thing. But Jesus was celibate. The apostle Paul was celibate. And Jesus has been tempted in all points, like as you are, yet without sin. Therefore, you can come boldly. I said you can come boldly. I said you can come boldly to the throne of grace and you can find mercy and you can find help. I said you can find mercy and you can find help in the time of need. Lift up that hand and say, Lord, I need your mercy. Lord, I need your help. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hold on. I said, hold on. Because God has something great in store for you. Hold on. Because what you might get off into is far less than what God has in store for you. God has something great for you if you'll obey, 
And if you'll hold on, I think about Brother Joseph, who was such a dreamer. He dreamed of the things God had in store for him. And he began to walk toward the dream God had given him. On his way to the dream, his brothers hated him. On his way to the dream, they sold him into slavery. He was sold to a man by the name of Potiphar on his way to the dream. But he had such a love for God and God had such a love for him that God began to elevate him in Potiphar's house. He went higher and higher. And when he got so high, Potiphar's wife started looking at him and desiring him. Listen, be careful of folk who didn't pay any attention to you when you were a student and when you were barely making it. But when you got it made, here they come wanting to be involved in your life. Potiphar's wife never noticed Joseph until he got charge of the whole house. And then she become, began to come every day saying, Joseph, lie with me. Go to bed with me. But Joseph said, listen, Potiphar has trusted me and put everything he has in my hands. And God has blessed me and lifted me higher and higher. And God still has something wonderful in store for me. I don't want to disqualify myself. I want what God has for me. Could you raise your hand and say, I want what God has in store for me. And so Joseph, day by day, kept on refusing. But one day, Potiphar's wife grabbed him and pulled him toward the bed and said, lie with me. Joseph jumped out of his coat that she was pulling on and he ran out of the house. Then Potiphar's wife began to call for the men that were in the house and said, men, Joseph tried to rape me. Joseph tried to impose himself on me. And when Potiphar came home, she told the same lie to Potiphar. Potiphar became a little angry. I don't know really what he was angry about. I don't believe he really believed his wife because if he really believed his wife, he would have killed Joseph. Hallelujah. But instead, he took Joseph and put him in the king's prison. Oh, bless the name of God. And pretty soon, Joseph was in charge of the prison. He just kept on holding on and believing in God. After a while, the Pharaoh had a dream and it was known that only Joseph had the power to interpret dreams. Joseph interpreted the Pharaoh's dream and Pharaoh brought Joseph into the palace to run the affairs of Egypt. Pretty soon he was the vice president of Egypt and after a while he sat down and wrote Potiphar's wife a letter and said, you tried to kill me, but how you like me now? God brought me out. God brought me over. God brought me through. Child of God, if you live for God, 
If you hold on to God, I see you going higher than you've ever gone before. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, I see you going higher than you've ever gone before. Your blessing is on the way. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy will come in the morning. If you're by yourself, hold on anyhow. God has a miracle in store for you. You ought to love him enough to serve him. Does anybody in here love him enough to serve him? If a terrorist, if an Islamic terrorist can love Allah enough to tie a bomb on his body and go in a crowd and explode himself, if he can love Allah enough to put bombs in a truck or an automobile and drive that car into a building and kill hundreds of people and kill himself, if he can love Allah enough to get into an airplane, kill the pilot and drive that airplane into a building and lose his life, we ought to love God enough to live for him. If he loves Allah enough to die, we ought to love God enough to live. I live for him who died for me. I love him because he gave his life and he died. I'm going to give my life and live according to his glory and according to his honor. Lift up your hand and say, Lord, I love you. I heard the Lord say in 2 Corinthians 7 and 14, if my people that are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, then will I forgive their sin, then will I heal their land. Does anybody know our land needs to be healed? Stand up everybody, our land. Our land needs to be healed. People are dying. Our land needs to be healed. People are involved in all kinds of wickedness and our land needs to be healed. People are dying because of immorality and our land needs to be healed. Lift up that hand and say, Lord, heal us. Lord, have mercy on us. Lord, give us power. And the Bible says, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Holiness, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Holiness comes upon you. God, we need to be filled with your Spirit. God, we need your power so we can do your will and walk in your way. Lift up your hand and say, Lord, fill us again. Yes, fill us with your power. Fill us with your might. Fill us with your grace. Fill us with your goodness. Lord, we want to do your will. Lord, we want to obey you. Lift that hand and say, Lord, help me. Help me. 
to love you and live for you. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Glory. 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 We want to pray for a moment. We want to pray in three or four categories. First, I want us, West Angeles, let's pray for the men of our society. 800,000 of them are more in prison. 40, 50% unemployment in our communities. We raised a generation, 40 to 50 to 60% of our young men have been raised without the influence of a father. Don't we need to pray? Lord said, if my people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. Lift up your hands, everybody. I want you to say this prayer. Every one of you that has a mouth. I want you to pray yourself. Don't wait on me to pray. But when I count to three, I want you to lift up your voices and beg God to bless the men of our community, the men of our society, the men of our world, to save them, to deliver them, to intervene in their lives, to turn them in a right way. We're going to pray that God would bless the men. One, two, three. Pray, everybody. Lift up your voice. Say your own prayer. Touch them, Lord. Bless. Deliver. Set free. Guide them. Direct them. Protect them. Give them jobs, God. Give them wisdom. Give them the ability to rise up out of their situation. Move by your power. Move by your might. Do it in the name of Jesus. Do it in the name of Jesus. Do it in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We believe you're going to do it. You're going to transform their lives. Turn their hearts, their lives. Turn their hearts toward you. Turn their minds toward you. Give them to seek you. Let them pray. Let them seek your face. Let them call on you today in the name of Jesus. Lord, bless our men. Oh, come on, say it. Lord, bless our men. Lord, bless our men. Bless them. Bless them. Our sons. Bless our sons. Bless our sons. Bless our sons. Bless, our, bless the men in the name of Jesus. In the name. In the name of Jesus. It's done. It's done. I believe you. I believe you. I see a turnaround coming. I see victory coming. I see power coming. Come on, let's praise God and believe God's going to bless the men. Come on, pray. praise Him, praise Him. So many women are alone. So many of them are raising their children by themselves. Some of them are living beneath the poverty level and they can hardly make it from one day to the next. So many of them are trying to be righteous and obey God and do the will of God. But life is conspiring to destroy them and devastate them. Let's lift up our hands and pray for, for the women, especially the young women of our society. Let's lift up our hearts and come on everybody pray in Jesus' name. I don't hear you. 
I don't hear you. Come on, open your mouth. Lord, in Jesus' name, bless the women. Bless them, God. In the name of Jesus, stand with them. Help them meet every need. Work miraculously in their lives. Help godly men to come into their lives and marry them and to be with their families and support their families honorably. Bless them, God. Bless the ladies. Bless them. The weaker vessel, your darling daughters, bless them, dear God. In the name of Jesus, in, in the name of Jesus, deliver them from all kinds of bondage and possession. In the name of Jesus, 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 touch and bless, 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 touch and bless. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah, hallelujah. Clap your hands and give praise to God. Give praise to God, give praise to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. And the final prayer I want us to pray is just to pray that God would bless all of us. That God would bless in our lives. That we would be the people God would have us to be. That we would walk in the way God would have us to walk. In the name of Jesus we pray. One, two, three. Come on. Call on God. Hallelujah. I need you. I need you. Lord, Jobs, we need you. Can't make it, can't make it. Oh.